Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? It is truly a joy to be here today. Hey, if this is your first time at any one of our locations here at Greenwood, Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, or online, we want to welcome you. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Thanks for accepting someone's invitation and being here today. If you're not brand new, hey, welcome back. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today called The Kid Factor, and I want to jump right into our content today. Have you ever noticed how the goal of life is maturity? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it's, it's, as a parent, this is just constantly on my mind. My wife and I, we've got three kids, and we're always trying to mature our children so that they will, say it with me, Leave, leave, that's the answer. Come on, folks, leave. The goal of parenting is to help them to leave so they don't end up in your basement, right? So we want them to mature, we want them to become independent, we want them to make good choices, we want them to be responsible, we want them to move away from childishness, right, and grow into maturity. It's the same way in a company, right? If you're a boss or you work in a company, the employer wants the employees to grow and mature and to learn to do their better job so that they could take on more responsibility and be promoted within the company. It's the same way on a sports team. A coach wants the the players to mature and grow and get better and understand the plays better and and that, that, you know, they can take on more responsibility and the team gets better. It's the same way in the classroom, right? Teachers want their students to grow and mature intellectually, emotionally, so they can move on from second grade to third grade, third grade to fourth grade, right? You don't want to have to leave kids back all the time. The goal of life is maturity. But it's hard to mature sometime, isn't it? Anybody struggle to mature? I feel like I still need to grow up in many different ways. Especially when I was in high school, I was uh, one of those emotional kids, very excited about things, very passionate about things. I would drive my parents crazy sometimes because I'd get so excited about things that I would forget some very important parts of my life. In fact, one time we were playing the New Dorp High School in a playoff game in high school. I played basketball. And I uh, was so excited about the game. We got to the game. We're in the locker room. We're all getting changed. And I look down in my bag and I don't have my... Jersey, (laughs) and you can't play if you don't have your jersey. I totally forgot my jersey in my room, and I look at my coach, I said, coach, I don't have my jersey. This is a problem. My parents are already on the way to the game, so I can't call them, and I can't play without a jersey. So my coach jumps in his car, drives all the way, my assistant coach, the assistant, not my, the assistant coach, drives all the way to my house, gets into my house, goes upstairs into my room, gets in my drawer, gets my jersey, gets back in the car, drives, and I was able to play the game. And that's just kind of a little picture of how my life went in high school. I wish I could say that was the only time that something like that happened. (laughs) I was very forgetful, and I still am forgetful today. 
growth, maturity. We have to move towards adulthood if we're going to make life better. Maturity makes life better. You get two mature adults, they have a great marriage. You get mature co-workers, you've got a great workplace. You've got you mature players or teammates, you've got a great team. Maturity makes everything better. The Bible talks about maturity constantly. From cover to cover, you're going to see the, the point of, of uh, a walk with God or your life is to grow in, in your faith and mature in your faith. Let me, let's look at what Peter had to say. Peter, one of the closest people to Jesus, said it like this. Like newborn babies, we all start somewhere, right? We, we're all, we all start as spiritual infants. Crave pure spiritual milk so that you may, say it with me, grow up. There it is. So that you may mature in your salvation, in your relationship with God. This is the whole point of the church. The church is to help people, this is our vision, ready? Come to Christ and grow in Christ, right? In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing that the church was given teachers and pastors and apostles and all these different types of people so that they can equip the work of the saints and build up the body of Christ, verse 13 of Ephesians chapter four, until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become, say it with me, mature. This Greek word is teleos. It means full grown, having all your parts in the right spot. Like when a baby has gone nine months in the womb, it's mature. It's ready to come out. If it stays in there, it's going to go bad, right? Mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. We're growing up and becoming like Christ. This is the whole point of the church. This is why you listen to sermons. This is why you're in a small group. This is the whole purpose of being here today is for us to mature and to grow in our faith and to become like Christ. And that's awesome, and we would all agree with that, right? You'd raise your hand, all of our locations, right? Not everybody's raising their hand, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, some of us here today. The goal of life is maturity. And then Jesus comes along, And he totally throws a wrench in the whole thing. (laughs) Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. This isn't the only place that it's recorded, but listen to how he says it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like, say it with me, little children, not an 11-year-old, not a 10-year-old, but like a 2-year-old or a 3-year-old, unless you change and become like a a wee little guy, okay, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. To which we would say when we hear that, like, what? I thought the goal of life was maturity and growth and becoming, you know, attaining the full measure of the stature of Christ. And I thought it was to become responsible and independent and to move away from childlikeness or childishness. And then Jesus comes on and sees says, Now, if you want to enter into the kingdom, if you want to live in the kingdom, you have to reverse and go backwards and become like a little child. What could Jesus possibly mean by this. Well, if we're going to understand Jesus' statement, we have to first understand what he means by kingdom. What does Jesus mean by kingdom? In your notes, I wrote it like this. The kingdom of, of heaven is the space where God's will is done. So what Jesus is saying is, unless you become like a little child, you cannot live in the realm of God's activity. How do we know that the kingdom means this rather than that place you go after you die called heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the range of God's effective will. How do we know that? Dallas Willard explained this many years ago when I read the book, The Divine Conspiracy. He's the most famous dead guy here at Emmanuel, as the pastor Aaron likes to say that at Banta. 
Dallas Willard explains it like this. He says that God's kingdom or rule is the range of his effective will where he wants, where what he wants is done. Where what God's will, what God is saying or wanting or desiring is actually executed. Where does Dallas get this from? Well, a couple of different places. In Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means it's right there, you can grab a hold of it. Then he gave us this prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and many of you have memorized it as little children. It kind of starts like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, next phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is done in heaven. What is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom and the will of God are synonymous. The kingdom is this place, this realm, this area where God's will is done exactly how he wants it. Where there's peace and power and joy and goodness and righteousness and purity. Where things work exactly on earth as they work in heaven. And that's why you and I are supposed to pray for the will of God to be done and the kingdom of God to come. We're supposed to seek it and live in it. Yes, it includes that place that we go to after we die, but right now, Jesus is saying, unless you change and become like a little child, you cannot live in the space where I'm doing things, where I'm acting, where I'm working in the world. In Luke chapter 11, verse 20, uh, in, that, in that section of Luke, Jesus casts out a demon and his critics are criticizing him saying, oh, he must be a devil, he must, that's how he can do that. He, he must be Satan himself if he's casting demons out. And then Jesus responds with that quote that most people think Abraham Lincoln came up with. <laughs> A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Like Satan cannot cast out Satan. That actually originated with Jesus. And then he goes on to explain in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, not the devil, then we have come to know something. What have we come to know? What have we become aware of? Watch this. Then the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, has, say it with me, arrived. It's come. Where God is acting, where God's power is working, whether it's healing a blind man, or giving a deaf man his, his hearing back, or a blind man his sight back, or casting out a demon, or whatever, wherever God is working, that is the kingdom of God come among us. What is the kingdom? It's the range of God's effective will. Jesus says, unless you become like a child, you can't live there. How interesting. The kingdom is a place where you are designed to thrive, not just survive. Think about this with me. A fish is living and thriving in water, in a fishbowl. Yes, you agree with this? If you take that fish out of the fishbowl, what happens? It might live for a little while, right? Yeah, it might. It's going to flop around. Its gills are going to start. It's going to try to get oxygen in. But eventually, because that fish is not in its proper environment, that fish is going to die. Many of us today, human beings, all you have to do is turn the news on or pay attention to what's going on in the world. We are human beings that are living outside of the kingdom and we are flopping around in fear, depression, anger, hatred, anxiety, we are struggling because we are literally fish 
out of water. We are designed to live in the kingdom of God, with God, dwelling with God, working with God, enjoying God, having our lives filled with peace and joy and purpose and meaning and goodness and righteousness and courage and faith. And that's what life is like in the kingdom. And you have to be a little child to enter into it. And what do we see human beings doing? They're living outside of the king kingdom, barely surviving. And I would say dying. The kingdom, that's where you were designed to live. It's where you were designed to thrive. Now let's go back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, unless you change and become like a child, unless you reverse things. <laughs> See, as adults, we've gotten this all wrong. We've taken independence to a whole nother level and we're acting like little gods. We were never intended to be little gods as if we were self-existent beings. We were always created to be dependent beings upon God. Jesus says you have to change that and you have to go backwards and move towards this thing called dependency. Children are dependent. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Life in the kingdom, or if you want to live in the kingdom, you must move back towards dependence. Children are dependent. If you don't like that word dependent, think of the word rely or reliance. Children rely upon their parents, don't they? I remember when my wife and I, 20 years ago, we brought our first child home from the hospital. You know, it was the, it was the uh, you know, uh, uh, it's hard to describe. I was, I was thinking about it right now. Um, we, we, we bring in the baby out of the car, and I think I, I had the, the, you know, you gotta click it, and it pops out, and you know, you, whatever that thing is called. Gosh, I can't remember. The thing you carry a baby in. Yeah, the car seat. So I've got the car seat, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> So I've got the car seat. Inside the car seat, there's this living, breathing human. And I look at my wife and I'm like, we are responsible to keep this thing alive. <laughs> I literally couldn't, I mean, I wasn't anticipating what that felt like. Like, no, like we're going into the house and no one's coming to help us. Like, nobody's there. What do we do? do? Do you feed it? How often do you feed it? Does it, does it sleep? Does it, what, what do you, do you wash it? Like, it's all nude. We were, we were in our early 20s. We had no idea what we were doing. But what we realized was that this child who's now 20 and he's is gonna be a sophomore in college, so we figured it out. <laughs> um, what we realized is that this, this, this human, this baby can do nothing by itself. He is totally dependent upon us. What if we were boneheads? What if we didn't know what we were doing? He would have been in big trouble. See, children are dependent upon their parents. In our world right now, we've got three teenagers and they're still dependent upon us for structure, for wisdom, for insight, for emotional support, for spiritual support, for food. Listen, I'm, let's get real practical here. If I told my three teenagers, hey, you're on your own for food, they would eat ramen noodles and Taco Bell and they'd be dead in three weeks. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we just said, eat whatever you want, you know? They, they need my wife to cook like real food so that they stay alive. I mean, our children are dependent upon us for gas money. Let's get real practical here. <laughs> okay, who's putting gas in that car? We are, <laughs> okay? So now, there's gonna be a time when they're not dependent on us and we're, we're, we're going that direction again so they don't end up in the basement. Come on, stay with me. Come on, it all comes back to the basement, okay? So, so we, 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 we wanna move them towards, towards independence, but right now they're still, they're still dependent. That's the nature of the kingdom. 
You want to live in the kingdom, you have to move backwards towards dependence. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Life in the kingdom is designed to be a dependent experience. It's not designed to be like the human experiment that God is performing here on earth is not designed to be an independent experience. I got this, God, I don't need you. But we adults have turned it into that because we've got jobs and we have an income and we can figure things out by ourselves and we're good to go. And what do we need God for anyway? We might sprinkle a little church in here or there or read the Bible every now and then or send a few prayers up, but that's about it. God's not really a big part of my life because I've got this, see? We've got it all wrong. And then we wonder why we're, we're flopping outside of the fishbowl, barely surviving, without purpose, without meaning, without true joy or peace deep down inside. We're not, we're not depending upon God. We're not thriving in the kingdom. Think about the language the Bible uses to describe us. I'll just show you one particular example in the book of John chapter one. But to all who believed in Jesus, to all who accepted him, he gave the right to become gods just like Jesus. Is that what it says? Little gods who can do it all by themselves. Is that what it says? No, our title like when you enter into this game called faith, the title that you receive is child of God, son of God, daughter of God. Your very title speaks dependence, reliance upon God. Has this ever hit you like that? I mean, think about it like this. You, as a human being, you cannot survive without sleep, without water, without food, and without oxygen. Like those are the four big ones, right? Does God need to sleep? Does God need water? Does God need food? Does God need oxygen? Oh no. He is the only independent being out there. You, by your very design, are dependent upon him for those, at least those four things. And you and I need so much more than that. But it's built into us. Like we're supposed to be taught by the fact that we need sleep, water, food, and oxygen. That we are to walk through our days saying, God, thank you. God, I appreciate you. Without this oxygen, without this food, I'm dead. Without this sleep, I can't survive. I love you. I need you. I love you. I need you. I'm your child. That's the nature of the kingdom. We walk around like we're little gods. As if we own the oxygen. We barely notice that we are dependent upon oxygen until we don't have it. We barely notice that we're dependent upon food until we don't have it. And then we start praying for food. God, pray, help me find some food. We are dependent beings. Jesus taught it like this in John chapter 15, perhaps the greatest teaching on all the whole spiritual life is captured in John 15. His audience knew exactly what he was talking about because a lot of them were farmers at that time. They ran vineyards, different types of plants. Listen to what Jesus said. Remain in me and I will remain in you. This word remain means to abide or to stay or to, to, to be connected. Be connected to me and I'll be connected to you for a branch cannot produce if it's severed from the vine. If you get chopped off, if you get disconnected from the trunk of the tree, you cannot be fruitful unless you, say it with me, remain, unless you abide, unless you stay connected. And then Jesus said this, I am the vine. I am the trunk of the, of the tree. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, watch this, you'll produce much fruit. But watch this, this is amazing. This is the dependence. Apart from me, you can do how much? Like what can you really produce on your own? And us adults, we think we could do a lot by ourselves. And quite frankly, God says, go ahead and try. And many of us do. But fruit that lasts, no, we can't produce anything like that without God. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, Jesus is communicating to you and to me, I hope you'll receive this word today, that you are a totally dependent being. You will produce no lasting fruit in eternity if you are disconnected from the vine. I'm just, I'm just silly enough to receive that. Maybe it's not silly. Maybe it's wise. I don't know what it is. I'm just a student trying to go, Jesus, what do you teach? And let me apply it. If you're saying, if you're saying to me that I'm a branch and I need to stay connected to the vine in order to produce love and joy, in order to have peace, in order to thrive in the kingdom, in order to have purpose and meaning, in order to have the strength to overcome sin and temptation, in order to forgive those who've wounded me, in order to live this great life. If you're saying I can't do any of that, being disconnected, okay, I'm in. And I'll just connect for the rest of my life. I'll just remain for the rest of my life. I will just make it the goal of my life to abide and to stay connected to you. If it's true that I can do nothing apart from you. Are you wise enough to hear that word today? Are you humble enough to receive that from God today? Because you were designed to live a dependent existence on this planet. You are not a little God. You are dependent upon God. Now, if you receive that, now you can receive everything else I'm about to tell you. But unless you receive that, everything else I say for the next five minutes, 10 minutes, means nothing to you. But if you're like, oh man, that's good. I believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm living like a fish out of water. I need, to, I need to jump back into the kingdom. I need to change and become like a little child. Okay, let's talk about that. How do you stay connected? How do you remain as a branch so that your life can become fruitful? You ready for this? In your notes, you must create a rule of life. You must create a rule of life. Now, don't get thrown off by that word rule. I'm not talking about like rules in church. Like, you know, we used to have a lot of rules. Maybe you grew up in a church with a lot of rules in church. You know, ladies couldn't wear skirts and guys couldn't, you know, have facial hair or whatever like that. And we used to have a rule in this church. This church, you couldn't wear a baseball cap in the auditorium because this was the holy place. I remember one day as a staff member, I wore a hat in this place, in this spot right here. And uh, one of the deacons walked up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, there is no hats in the sanctuary. <laughs> I took my hat off. I was like, okay, rules in church, you gotta love them, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not talking about those types of rules in church, okay? This word rule actually has, the, the Greek word that it comes from is the word trellis. Interesting. Create a trellis like the one you see on the stage here. Some of you are like, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, this is a gardening trellis. And all a trellis is is a structure that allows the, the plant or the vine to grow up and, and bloom and blossom and become everything that that plant was supposed to become. It's not the plant itself, it's just a structure that the plant can climb on and produce all kinds of fruits or flowers. A trellis, a rule of life. Many years ago I read the Emotionally Healthy Church or mostly Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. If you want to take this a step further, pick up this book. He's a pastor in New York City. And in the book, he talks about a rule of life and what a rule of life is. Listen to what he says. A rule of life, very simply, is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything you do. It's an intentional plan that you create for your spiritual life to stay connected to the vine so that your life can become fruitful, so that you can experience all that God has for you, so that you can live in the kingdom of God. That's what a rule of life is. And so I've created a rule of life for myself, and I'll share it with you 
right now. Maybe you can grab some of this and apply it to your own life. My rule of life includes staying connected to God's word every single day. Staying connected to God's word every single day. Getting this book in my life. This book, we, we just got done with a series called The Ultimate Guide. We said every single week that this book is inspired by God. It is God-breathed and it is useful for teaching, rebu- rebuking, for correcting and instructing in righteousness. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. When you're in this book, reading this book, meditating on this book, acting on this book, journaling verses, memorizing verses, you are staying connected to the vine. The divine sap that flows through the trunk of the tree can flow into your branches and produce all kinds of fruit. Let's look at what Psalm chapter one, verse one and two say. It says, blessed is a man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Rather, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, on this book, what does he do? What does she do? They meditate. They think about, they focus on it. How often? Day and night. They don't watch YouTube day and night. They're not on Instagram day and night. They're not on YouTube uh, you know, or, or Twitter day and night. No, they're in the word of God day and night. Not Facebook or anything else. They're meditating on the word of God day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water that what? Yields its fruit. Its fruit, whatever that fruit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the power to overcome sin or resist temptation, right? Yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. No, no, no. The leaves on this tree, they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're full. They're healthy. In all that he does, in all that she does, he prospers. How? Oh, he's, in the, he's got his roots down. She's got her roots down deep into the ground, tapping into the water, the river of life, the water of life. They're connecting. So your rule of life must include staying connected to God's word every single day. Every single day I read this book, no matter what. No matter what. Just ask my wife, ask my kids. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not gonna be in this book. I'm in this book when I feel good, close to God, I get in the book. When I feel distant from God, I'm in the book. When I've sinned, I'm in the book. When I'm not sinning, I'm in the book. When I feel really like, like a super Christian, I'm in the book. When I feel like I'm not a Christian at all. Ever have those days? <laughs> Do I even have faith? Do I even believe in God? Like, I'm not even sure I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm just kidding. But, but I have those days where I just, I don't feel close to God at all. You know what? I get in the book. Those are the days I really get in the book. Those are the days where I got to dig deep. And when I dig deep, guess what? I'm connected again to God and I draw close to him. Because God, God's life-giving sap, the Holy Spirit, flows through the, through, the, through the trunk into the branch and produces the fruit. Your rule of life must include staying connected to the word. Number two, it must include prayer. We, your rule of life has to, has to include praying. We stay connected through prayer. What is prayer? Let me clear it up for you, ready? It's real simple. It's talking to God. It's a conversation with God. Jesus said it like this. He said, the rule of the kingdom is prayer. Listen, Matthew chapter seven. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and guess what? The door will be open to you. And then he doubles down in verse eight. For everyone who asks receives and he who Seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is saying, here's how things work inside God's kingdom in the realm. You ask, and God answers. The nature of the kingdom is asking. Now, here's what's interesting about asking. When you ask God for stuff, whether you need wisdom, 
whether you need a different job or you need some person to go away. You ever need some person to go away in your life? <laughs> God, would you please take this person out of my life? Like that's a legitimate prayer. <laughs> like we need stuff. We need stuff, right? All the time. People ask me to pray for them all the time. I say yes. And then I'll shoot a quick prayer up. I'll tell them, I say, God might not answer the way you want him to, but I will certainly pray that that goes that way for you. The very nature of asking puts your spirit in a posture of what? Dependence. Prayer leads us to dependence, to connect to God. God, I need this from you. That's the nature of prayer. That's why prayer helps us to stay connected to God. Your trellis, your rule of life must include a time of prayer. Jesus said, go into your closet, close the door, and pray to your heavenly Father in secret. And your heavenly Father in secret who sees what you're praying for will answer, he will see, and he will reward you. Jesus says, take time to pray. So we're in the word, we're praying, and then number three, we're staying connected through other believers, through other believers. Here's what I believe to be true. And I'm not talking about just any ordinary believer that attends this church or some other church or said they said the prayer at one point. I'm talking about people who are filled with God's spirit, who are trying to grow in their faith, who are headed down paths of righteousness for his namesake. I'm talking about seriously devoted believers. You wanna get around those folks. Here's why. Because the spirit of Jesus lives inside of each one of them. And so if you can get around three, four, five serious-minded serious Christians, you are magnifying or multiplying the effect of Jesus in your life, which is exactly why we do small group at this church. We want you to get around other believers because you're magnifying the presence of Jesus because he lives inside each of them in your life. And then you receive nourishment, you receive encouragement, you receive the wisdom of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the acceptance of Jesus. How? through the other believers. Many years ago, I read a book called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor, fantastic little book. Please pick up the books I recommend. I mean, they're just really, really, I wouldn't recommend stuff to you that's not worth reading. Life Together, Bonhoeffer says this, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Wow. It's like having Christ with you in a small way. When you get around other Christians who have the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus living inside of them. That's why I'm in a small group. I don't have to be, nobody tells me to. The elders don't make me do it. I'm in a small group because I wanna magnify the presence of Jesus in my life. And every time our small group meets, I am always encouraged when we leave to keep God at the center of my life, to love him, to become a godly man, to keep pushing forward in my faith, to be the husband I'm called to be, the pastor I'm called to be, the father I'm called to be. Every single time in a small way, I'm encouraged. It's part of my trellis. I don't go to small group when I feel like it. I go to small group on Fridays. <laughs> See that's how that works? It's a trellis, it's a structure. It's, it's amazing to me. People organize their vacations and their wedding days more than they do their spiritual life. They put more planning into a vacation than they do in their growing in Christ. It's amazing to me. It's like, well, I don't really have time for small group. I was really tired this week. I didn't read my, my Bible. People treat their spiritual life like they, like they treat their, their chiropractor. You know what I'm saying? This is how I treat my chiropractor, right? Like, it's like, yeah, I should go. Eh, my back hurts. But who's got time for that? Ain't nobody got time for that, right? That's how they, that's how, remember that lady? Ain't nobody got time for that. That was a great video. Some of you missed it. Look it up. It's great. So I don't go to the chiropractor. 
Should I? Yeah, I should. Back hurts. Get fixed up. Feel better. I don't go. We treat our spiritual life like that. I should go to church. I should read my Bible. Who's got time for that? I should go to small group. Ain't nobody got time for that. We treat our spiritual life like we treat our workout routine. Yeah, I should work out. I got a membership. Do I go? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm busy. You know, I don't really feel like it. I want to get on that treadmill. I hate to sweat. You know. <laughs> and so we don't go. Well, what good is it? Create a rule of life and do it regardless of how you feel. It builds structure in your life so that your life can flourish and so there could be fruit on the vine, fruit that lasts. Because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Are there other parts to the rule of life, a trellis? Yes, there's Sabbath keeping. I take a Sabbath every Friday. There is silence and solitude. There is fasting. There's so many other things you can add to your rule of life. I just covered three today. Staying connected to the word of God. Staying connected through prayer and staying connected through other believers. Look, all I can do is coach you on this stuff, but I can't make you do it. All I can tell you is that Jesus had some interesting things to say about little children. He said, unless you become like them, you cannot live with me in the realm that you were designed to thrive in. Outside of the kingdom, you flop around like a fish out of water, depressed, discouraged, angry, greedy, lustful, revengeful, resentful, filled with bitterness. This is the normal human experience. Why? Because we are fish out of water. Jump into the kingdom and start to experience life the way you were meant to experience it, but it's gonna take you to humble yourself and admit that you're a dependent being. You are not a God. Stop acting like it. Connect to the vine. Jesus invites you, connect to me. Let my life-giving spirit flow through me into your life so that you can produce the fruit that you were designed to produce. Question for you. Will you take what I've said today and do it? Will you create a rule of life? Or will you just walk out of here today or stop watching and say, that was interesting, rule of life. Never heard that before. Maybe I'll try that sometime. Or will you say, gosh, I, God, I need you. And I, I don't have a structure. I don't have a trellis. I don't have a system. I don't have an intentional plan. I'm gonna create one today and I'm gonna start it tonight. And I'm gonna build rhythms and patterns that Help me stay connected to you because I need you because apart from you, I can do nothing. I've done my very best today. Hopefully, you'll take what you heard today and run with it. As we close, as we close, there's some of you here today, you're not even in the game yet. You're just a spectator. That's fine. We're glad you're here. That's why you were invited. But you're watching as an outsider, you know, observing this, the game. Or We want to invite you to, into the game. We want you to take a step of faith and actually become a child of God. I wanna go back to what John said in chapter one, verse 12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to step into the game and become a child of God. To get into the, the, the arena and actually live with God and dwell with God and be with God and sense God and be filled with his spirit. Maybe you need to get into the game today. How do you do that? Well, you believe in him. You receive him, you accept him. Well, how? how, what do you mean? Well, Jesus died on a cross for you. He paid for your sin. 
so you can be in fellowship with God, so you can get into the game. When you trust him, when you put your faith in him, when you say to him, I believe you died for my sin, I believe you rose again to make me clean, to wash me, to make me your child. When you trust him, not when you come to church, not when you get baptized, not when you become a good person, no, when you believe and accept him, that's what gives you the right to become a child of God. And the way that you do that is by expressing that faith through prayer. Prayer is talking to God. You speak out to him and you tell him, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. Come into my life, forgive me, cleanse me, make me your child. And in that moment, right now, if you're watching online or any one of our locations, you will become a child of God. If you'd like to do that right now, I'm gonna say a simple prayer of faith. Take these words, turn them into your own prayer, express it to God, and you'll become his child right now. Just say this to him, dear Jesus, I choose to trust you today. I choose to believe in you today, to accept you, to receive you as my savior. I believe you died in my place. I believe you paid the price for my sin. I believe you paid a debt I could not pay. I believe you paid the penalty that I should have paid. And I trust you. Cleanse me of my sin. Wash me. Remove the guilt, remove the shame. And make me your child. And from this day forward, as a branch, help me to stay connected to you through the word of God, through prayer, and through fellowship with other believers. That my life might bear the fruit it was designed to bear. That I might live with you in the kingdom and experience all of the life that you have planned for me. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? Come on, nice and loud. We got people giving their lives to Christ today. Hey, if you prayed that prayer online, any one of our locations, we wanna help you get started building your trellis, your rule of life here as we've been talking about. We have this little box called a saved box. Inside this box, there is a Bible with a reading plan for you to follow starting tonight or tomorrow morning. There's some instructions in here on get, how to get connected to a small group. That's fellowship with other believers. That was our third step today. There's also instructions in here on baptism. And uh, there's also a very, very special item in here. Uh, we, we believe with all of our hearts, it's hard to connect with God without coffee. So there's a coffee cup in here as well. And so uh, if, you say, if you said that prayer today, text the word SAVED to 65248. If you're watching online, we'll send one to you in the mail. If you're at one of our locations, you can get one of these in the information desk outside in the lobby. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Amen. Come on, nice and loud. Let's create a rule of life. Share it with your small group. Talk about it online. Share, like, let me know. Hey, here's the rule of life that I came up with. I'm gonna read in the morning, or I'm gonna read at night, or I'm gonna spend time at noon praying, or I'm gonna get with a small group on Wednesday nights. And, and let's all create a rule of life together so that our lives, our lives will become fruitful so that we can live and thrive in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you change and become like a little child, you cannot live in that realm. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Amen? Will you pray with me? 
Father, thank you so much for your word. It teaches us, it guides us, it, it lights the path for us. It shows us what we need to do, how we need to change. May we be people of your word. May we meditate on it day and night. God, may it sink, may we sink our roots down deep into the soil of your word that we might draw the life-giving waters up to produce the fruit in our lives. Help us to thrive in your kingdom the way you designed us to. And we will give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Right now, we're gonna hand things off to the local teams. God bless you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend.